welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Joe Quinn. Recording this on a Tuesday, following, of course, the NBA Finals, which, as expected, I thought it was going to end. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, the Nuggets are your world champions. Um, I would have put a no doubt about it uh, performance in the finals. They were clearly the best team uh, throughout the course of the playoffs, 16-4. and four. They had the best player in Nikolai Djokovic, and I'm sure you can guess who is going to be number one on my year-end NBA top five players list. Listen, this uh, look. This was not a great finals by any stretch of imagination. Um, somewhat, somewhat entertaining, but it wasn't. It, let's be honest. It was last night. Was the you know you had two close out of five games. You only had two close games. Games two and last night. Last night exactly wasn't. You know, then I can exactly send that to the Naismith Hall of Fame either. Um, considering that both teams did not uh, did not play particularly well, Denver did enough offensively, especially in the second half, to get by a Miami team that just had struggled to score in the series. And you know, we're gonna talk. We can talk about Jokic. We can talk about Murray. We will talk about those guys. But the bottom line to me was the the thing that won this series for uh, Denver was their defense. Uh, the numbers just jump out when you you know when you when you really start studying them you know holding a Miami team that came in one of the hottest offensive teams in the whole entire playoffs to ninety six points a game roughly um it was a, and and you think about it they held them to ninety six points a game Miami only had a thirty point quarter. Miami had like three 30 point quarters in this whole series. Think about that for a second. Three 30 point quarters. It was, of course, five games, 20 quarters, 20 quarters total. So that, like, coming into the series, coming into the playoffs, that was a big question mark about the Denver Nuggets was could they hold up defensively? They were fifth. They were ranked fifteenth, rated fifteenth over during the regular season. That is, this it's going to be the lowest that a champion has a team that has won a championship since going back to the two thousand one Lakers, who were ranked eleventh during that regular season. Of course, they played lights out defense in that postseason two thousand one, uh, going fifteen to one. And you got look. It starts. It started with their best players. Um, Jokic defense was was excellent in this series. Uh. Porter, Gordon, those guys. I mean, we know KT, you know KCP always plays defense, always defends. Bruce Brown always defends, but Michael Porter Jr. Jr. and Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic, 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 they're three best players. Jokic, I mean, they're three best players. Well, they're four best players. Jokic, they're their four best players because they're, they're Jokic, Murray, Gordon are their three best best players. But Porter Jr. probably would be fourth. But throughout those four guys really stepped up in a major way. Um, guys that did not come in with big time reputations defensively in terms of Jokic, uh, Murray, and Porter Jr. all played excellent defense over the course of the series and um, over the course of the series. And you got to be very, uh, very impressed with Michael Porter Jr. I think that despite the fact that he did not shoot the ball well, he did all the little things 
that it takes for like you know he did Robert Ory type things, Bruce Bowen type things that from from great role players in in, in the past. Like for and for a guy who can easily be a twenty five point per game scorer on another team, if he was on another team, they're not gonna win a lot of games. Like he's not a number one guy. I'm not sure he's even even a number two guy. He's probably probably his ceiling probably would be as a problem between a number two and a number three guy on a team that can win a championship. He's still very young. Let's keep that in mind as well. But of course, we know he's had some some of the back injuries, some back trouble with from that situation. But right now, he's in a perfect, absolute perfect situation, being in essence a number three, number four guy on a on a team that's uh, surrounded by by two two guys who are all NBA type uh, caliber players. Of course, with Jokic and Murray. So it was a Denver defense that was the difference in the series. I mean, that's just that that is pure and just all there is to it. I mean, Miami only cracked a hundred points once. Uh, only cracked a hundred points once in this series, and that was in uh, that was in Game Two. That was it. Um, and Miami was, you know, I really after the first two games, those open looks that Miami got, those were taken away. After the first two games, first two games, Denver's defense was not very good. Uh, they got away with it in game one, did not get away with it in game two. Games from from games three to five, the Denver defense was spectacular. I mean, it really, it really was. Like those last three games in the series, they they played championship lockdown defense. Um, and Miami had, you know, had no answers. And, um, you know, with lack of – you know, really not having limited shot creators, you know, that that's going to stunt what you can do uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, from an offensive standpoint. Of course, they certainly missed Tyler Hero. I don't know why Tyler Hero didn't play last night, um, considering everything, considering all the talk. I mean, uh, going into the game, he had been upgraded to questionable. Uh, it seemed like, I mean, I, I, feel, I think, and again, it, it's not for me to question the great Eric Eric Sposher, who is the best coach in the league, hands down, and and on his way to a you know, it certainly will be a Hall of Fame. It is a Hall of Fame coach right now, but uh, I I didn't quite understand it. Understand why Hero didn't play last night? Uh, I, I mean, he couldn't give him 10, 15, He couldn't give him ten minutes because they like they struggled to score. And for the third straight game, you had Miami struggling coming out the break. Um, Denver, the last three games, held Miami, you know, it was basically 20, 22, and 20 uh, in those three quarters. In those third quarters, in essence, those last three games, those third, third quarters, in essence, decided the game, especially in games three and four. Now, last night, they had a bad third quarter, but, you know, fourth quarter, they, they were, I mean, they were still right there in the fourth quarter. So they, I don't think the third quarter, the third quarter changed the game. I don't think it, ne- it necessarily decided the game. Games three and four in Miami, the third quarter decided that game, decided those two games, period. Um, this was a physical game. This was a, a, a it was the definition of a rock fight. It was Miami's type of game. It, to be honest with you, pace was not quick, low scoring, but Denver showed they can win any style. They showed that really in game three, uh, excuse me, in game two of the Phoenix series. If you go back uh, after that first game where it was some of the best offensive basketball you will ever see in game one, 
with with you know Jokic and Murray and Durant and and and, and, and Booker just going going berserk in that game one game two was a rock fight they won the game by ten points I think it was like ninety seven eighty seven so that was the first sign uh, against a big offensive team that they that Denver showed you that they could win another way and of course if you win a championship you have to be able to win in multiple ways you have to and you look at this series Denver for all the talk about their offense their offense was it was good. It wasn't great in this series. They had spurts where they played great offense, but for the most part, I thought the Miami defense, I thought defensively Miami held up relatively well to, against Denver. Like Denver averaged what? Denver did not average, Denver only averaged 104 points a game. 104 points. You know, 115 rating, which is relatively high. 104 points. That You hold Denver to, again, and I'll continue to say this, you hold Denver under 110. You've done your job. That is a they are a, as explosive of an offensive team as there is in the league. So Miami, I thought did a relatively pretty good, uh, relatively pretty good, a uh, decent job against the Denver offense. Uh, Denver did not shoot the ball well from th- from the three. Miami made more threes than Denver. But here's where the difference was in the series. Obviously, other than defense, and other than the fact that Denver's like has like the t- the talent gap was significant and i think we're going to look back at the talent gap and say how the hell did Miami even make it to the finals like seriously like the the gap in talent with these two teams was just it was it was catastrophic it was, it was like they like just think about this Miami had seven undrafted guys on their team seven Seven guys who have been undrafted. Okay. You have Denver, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. was a Lowry pick. Aaron Gordon was a Lowry pick. Jamal Murray, I think, I believe Mark Murray was a Lowry pick. Yeah, Murray was a Lowry pick. Okay. Uh, now, Jokic, of course, is the outlier. He's the second round pick. Nobody knew he was going to be what he was. So that he's the outlier. But as far as just talent, like pure, like sheer talent, man for man, player for player. It wasn't. It's not even close. Like this, this really should have been a, a sweep. To be honest with you, I mean, you're going to call it a gentleman sweep, but it should have been an outright sweep. But you know, Miami's toughness, their exposure, uh, were able to get them at least one game and be competitive in in this particular game. But the the the, the talent, the gap in talent. The, the talent gap was significant <laughs> between these two teams. And how Miami got to the finals, I think we will be looking at looking at that 20, 30, 40 years from now, saying how the hell did this t- did the 2023, 2022, 23 Miami Heat get to the finals? Like, we, like we're seriously going to be looking at that and saying there's no way that this team should have got to the finals. Milwaukee and Boston. So, that um we talk about you know again when you talk about Miami, uh that this is one of the better stories in, in recent NBA history in terms of uh AFC, a real AFC, playing AFC, getting to the NBA finals. But to the book that goes to spoils, uh it's all about Denver. Um when you talk about Jokic, uh we I I don't think that it's like Hyperbole, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that this was one of the great postseasons in recent memory in the last uh, 30 years. 
uh, I was digging, doing some digging, looking at some postseasons that kind of stood out. So Jokic for the postseason was 30-13 and almost 10 assists. Splits, 54-46 and 80. Those were his splits. Um, no, excuse me. That was his, that was his finals. Postseason, he was 30-13 and 9. Yeah, 30-13 and 9. Uh, the splits were about, yeah, 55-46. Splits were about 55-40 and 80, basically. He, in the finals, averaged 30-14 and 7. No player in the history of the finals has ever put up that stat line. Okay. He, forget about, forget, put the triple-doubles aside, right? Just dominating the basketball, dominating the game without scoring and dominating the game with just sheer basketball, just sheer skill. And intelligence, and again, and, and some physicality too, because he could punish you with the post-up game. When he, when he, when he, like when he got onto smaller players, you had no chance. You put a smaller guy on Jokic, he's going to bury him in the rim, bury him in the paint, and you have no chance guarding him with a small guy. And that's the thing about Jokic that makes him unique. He's kind of, he is kind of the new evolution of the big man as far as shooting, passing, court vision. But he gives you some of that throwback as far as being able to punish you down low uh, with his size. So he he has the total package as an offensive player, and his defense was very good um, in the playoffs. Very good in the NBA in the NBA Finals. But slightly, I would say he was slightly above average, to be honest with you. So I don't want to ever hear about you no. Know, he's a defensive liability. He's not. That he's no longer. You can no longer say that he's a defensive liability. That that. That could be erased with his performance in the finals this year. Uh, looking at what uh, Denver did against uh, Miami uh, defensively, looking at some of the all-time great playoff runs. Um, so, this is going back, of course, to the early nineties. Ninety-three, you had Jordan thirty-five, six and six again, all-world defense, two point one steals. He averaged 41 a game in the finals that year. That was when they beat. That was when they took out Phoenix. Remember, 1993. He is at the peak of his powers as far as physically, mentally. He's at this point a two-time champion, soon to be three-time champion. He is at the his apex in 1993. I felt like that first wave of Michael Jordan. Those championship. The second wave of the championship was more about the mid-range and his and more about how how strong he had gotten. Like he got more. He got he bulked up more. From ninety six to ninety eight, and he got he got by on his his athleticism has started to dissipate to a, to the extent where he did play that much above the rim. It was more about the mid range strength post up, and he psychologically destroyed you. The ninety one through ninety three Jordan, the first three peat, that was just he air. That was air Jordan, like that was air Jordan with basketball high basketball IQ, and he about that at that point he had learned how to win. So that to me, that ninety three, that ninety one to ninety three version of Jordan is his best. And ninety three, he was just un, just completely unstoppable. Uh, ninety five, one one that doesn't get talked about enough. Kim Olajuwon, thirty three, ten, four and a half assists, two point eight blocks. He goes through Barkley, Malone, Stockton, David Robinson, and then of course Shaquille Neal. Think about that playoff run. Think about that. Think about that. Malone Stockton in their prime. Charles Barkley was still an all was still a all NBA caliber player, still a great player. 
David Robinson was MVP that year, and he embarrassed him in that Western Conference Finals in two in ninety five, and then he tops it off with 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 outplaying a, a, a young Shaq, uh, a young Shaquille O'Neal, who at the time was about twenty five. I would say 24, 25, Shaq. Yeah, Shaq is about 25, 24, 25. Probably 20. Yeah, because that was the same 23. That was, that was the year before he went to the Lakers. Um, and that that uh as a free agent in 96. So Shaq is about 23 years old. And like Shaq was not at the peak of his powers. Physically, Shaq was at the peak of his powers. Physically. Like that, that's that's Shaquille O'Neal that was just just not only strong as the ox, but that was Shaquille O'Neal that could beat you down the floor. And it was like like that that skill nil and skill nil that year, um, the, the, that's when skill nil along with Penny Hardy were, were those were top five players that year. He was a legit top five player. So that's one of the great one one playoff runs that that doesn't get talked about enough to me. Um, Shaq in 0-1, 30-15, three, three assists, and of course two and a half two blocks. That old one Laker team he led, that that was Shaquille O'Neal just destroying everybody. He dismantled Robinson and Duncan in that in that Western Conference Finals in two thousand one. And of course he just, you know, they swept the Nets. Not the Nets. They uh had their way with the Sixers after losing the first game. They almost if not for Iverson with the forty eight point uh game one, they would have went undefeated. Uh Giannis a couple of years ago. 30, 12, basically 30, 13, and 5 on 50%, 57% shooting. T- takes out Durant in game seven in Brooklyn. Um, and then gets to the finals and has one of the great finals in recent memory, you know, with the 35 points, the 50, 50, 14, and 5 game six clincher. That was one for the ages. That that was one of the great finals performances of all time. That I mean, Giannis's finals performance in 21 was up there. You can put up there with anybody. How dominant he was, and that playoff that playoff run was was up there as well. And of course, last year, and of course, this year with Jokic. So, um, I put uh, those I put Jokic's up there with any of those guys. Uh, some of those all time great players. Now, you want to say, and again, I can already hear the murmurs. Where's LeBron? Here's the thing. LeBron has been a great, great postseason player. But when LeBron, these are all these guys won championships, by the way. I've seen LeBron put up better big time numbers actually in a year where he did win the championship. Uh, he's put up, I, LeBron's put up better numbers in years where he did not win championships, believe it or not, with some of his stats, especially like in 2009 uh, against Orlando or that series and that, that playoffs in general. Go, go back and check those numbers. But the thing about LeBron is the numbers do not stand out as much because he played on teams that were, let's be honest, he played on some a couple of super teams in Miami and in Cleveland. Three of his championships came on super teams. Let's just cut the bullshit. Like 11-12, playing alongside Wade and Bosch, that was a super team. So his numbers did not jump out. He still put up excellent numbers, but the numbers did not jump out uh, as much. Um the last final, the best finals LeBron probably had statistically along with the team winning is probably 2020 with the Lakers. And he had a great postseason that year, a great postseason run. So I could have put LeBron's 2020 postseason in that category, to be fair about it. Now I'm thinking about it. So probably LeBron 2020 as well could be 
Uh, if we want to be real about it, it could be up there. But regardless, Jokic, this is one of the great postseason runs in uh in the history of basketball in in, in recent in the last thirty years. Um, I was going through the top seventy five because I was you know when now Jokic has entered different uh, different territory. When you win a championship. Uh, in the finals MVP, along with what he's done over the course of his career with the two MVPs, all NBAs, you got to start thinking about where where he ranks all time. So I was going through the top 75, and easily, he cleared easily 40 guys, those, for, those 40 guys, easily. Now, once he got to around 30, it was like, okay, you know, is he better than so on, so and so, is he better than this? It's like, now we can start to get into some debates but there are 40 guys on that list where um, maybe 40 to 44, 40 to 45 guys that he clearly is better than. At minimum 40 that he clearly has jumped. He's jumped every every dude that that, that, is, that does not have a championship ring to me, he's jumped. Sorry, he's better than. You want to talk about Ewing, Malone, Barkley, Allen Iverson, all those guys. Steve Nash, he's, I got, he's better than, period. Period. That's just it goes that goes without saying. Like he's the guy has two, he has two MVPs. So I think right now you have to put him in that top 30 to 35 range and climbing for a set and done. Like he probably is gonna get to that top 15 range. He's probably gonna be in that top 15 range, minimum. Minimum. He's probably gonna be in that top 15 range. So look back at the NBA season. Um, what do we learn from this NBA season? Um, in particular from the postseason. I'm not gonna say that the regular season doesn't mean anything because Denver had a great regular season. They were number one in the West, hug out home court, and they won a championship. But you really gotta like regular season basketball versus postseason basketball. I think the separation in terms of style of play, intensity has grown even like it's is the separation is even bigger. You can't, unfortunately, put too much stock in the regular season. And you can't put as much stock in the regular season as you used to. Um, with these in-season trades, with injuries, with the load management, like is a, the game is just completely different. There, there also there are guys who are frankly regular season players. Julius Randle stands out. He's a regular season player. He's a regular like there are guys that just are just whose games just don't are not going to uh come out in the postseason. Not gonna they're not gonna shine in the postseason. Specialists have been almost, you know, those guys have uh, have been played off the court. Now again, regular season, you have to play more guys, you have to get to the postseason. You you are hard pressed to play a specialist in the postseason. Now, Duncan Robinson, I can make a case. Duncan Robinson, I can make a case that Duncan Robinson is no longer a specialist. You know why? Duncan Robinson was putting the ball on the floor, was creating offense for others, had was getting plays ran for him during key moments in the in the playoffs. Okay, this is Duncan Robinson. So he even had to expand. On his game, in order to 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 be, uh, to, order to be on the court. Remember, last couple seasons, Duncan Robinson has not been like he's been a liability on the court. Like he, they teams have played him completely off the court. 
in the last two in the last two years. Remember, he was he was he played great in the uh, was great in the bubble, shooting the lights out uh, against Milwaukee in twenty twenty one when they got swept. Non factor last year in the postseason. Non factor. Don't even get on the court. This season, Duncan Robinson was a very key factor, very key cog off the bench, and again, expanded his game. He put the, actually putting the ball on the floor, not just selling for three point shots, uh, going in for layups. Like I said, creating offense for others. So the day of the specialist in the playoffs, that day is done. I don't, I don't think you could be a specialist offensively. Now, you could be a specialist defensively because there's still something to be there are enough great offensive players to where you can like you can kind of hide a subpar offensive player. If a guy is good, if a guy is great at defense, if he can rebound, if he great at rebounding or great at just just uh, individual de- defender. You can only have one of those guys. You can't have more than one on, on the court at the same time. You can have one of those guys, but you have to have some uh, a bevy of talent offensively, offensively around him. But you cannot be a a you cannot be a specialist offensively and stay on the court in the playoffs. You will get exposed. Teams will absolutely abuse you, especially if you're an average to mediocre defender. If you're a specialist as an average to mediocre de- de- defender, you're not playing. You're just not. And even Duncan Robinson's defense was slightly improved, to be honest with you, in comparison to past years. Also, and again, I'm going to keep harping on this till I can't talk anymore. The love affair with the three-point shot. If teams, teams need to learn, right, we don't have to be in, we don't have to go gung-ho over the three-point shot. I mentioned earlier, Denver was outshot by Milwaukee as far as three-pointers made. They made Denver, not Milwaukee, excuse me, Miami made 15 more three-point shots than Denver in this series. You know why Denver, you know why that didn't matter? Miami, Miami, Denver out-rebounded Miami by an average of nine rebounds, and they outscored them in the paint by an average of almost 14 points. Rebounding and points in the paint. There are certain things that just will not, like basketball, it, it is what it is. I don't, like, I don't care what, I don't care about the three-point shot. It is what it is. The three-point shot is great when it goes in, but points in the paint, the game is still, to me, one in the paint. You can't win a championship if you're getting destroyed on the boards. You can't win a championship. You're not going to win a championship if you're getting destroyed in terms of points in the paint. That is more consistent than the three-point shot. Easy baskets are more consistent than a three-point shot. The most, still, the most efficient shot in basketball is still a layup or a dunk. That's still the most efficient and effective score. I'll take that over any three-point shot because again, we've learned, we've seen how many years have we seen in the last three, four, five years these teams can't hit the side of the barn from the, from the three-point range. As far as uh, trying to replicate, you know, teams. I'm going to try to replicate what Miami, what Denver did. That's all. That's Denver, Miami, what they did. That's, you know, it's a copycat, you know, sports is copycats. It's a copycat league when it comes to, you know, you're going, you want to do what it took, what the champion did or what somebody who made the finals. I want to say this. I don't, there are parts that just can't be replicated as far as Miami and Denver. You can't replicate Jokic. Jokic is, you know, is one Nikola is one Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. 
um, you can't replicate Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. That can't be replicated. What you can replicate from these organizations is player development, drafting, and account and, and accountability within the organ within organizational accountability, continuity. You can replicate that. Mike Malone, year eight, Eric Spolstra, this is year what, fifteen for Spolstra. Patience can be replicated. Again, player development and draft drafting and player development. Guys come to Denver, they get better. Guys who who on other teams might not even be in the league play for Miami, undrafted guys. And again, when this new CBA comes into effect, teams are going to teams or if teams are going to compete for championships year in year out, they're going to be consistently amongst the contenders. They're going to have to somewhat replicate what Denver and Miami, those aspects of Denver and Miami, which can be replicated somewhat to a certain extent. But the Jokic and Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, that cannot be replicated. Those guys, like those three entities between these two teams cannot be replicated. They, they just, like that, like they'll be, they'll, they'll, I mean, Pat Riley is Pat Riley, like that, you know. And, if I, and when Popovich is done eventually, and Spolstra is done, I don't know if we'll ever see another coach go past, you know, 15 years. I don't. I, I think I just think it's too hard in today's in today's game. Man, it's too much money. Coaches don't have to coach that long. Like they're making more money than they've ever ever made before. A lot of guys have aspirations to be general managers and executives and what have you. So we're gonna go to my top five players season play top five players season ending list. I, it's, it's not the first time I brought this to the podcast. I think this might be the second year. I normally just I normally just uh, post it on a uh, social media, but you know. We're wrapping up the NBA. I can bring it to the podcast. We'll bring it to can bring it to this podcast. Coming in at number one, uh, we'll start at the top. Nikolai Jokic. I don't think it's any surprise. He takes the reins from after two years from from uh, the Greek freak. Um, again, one of the great postseasons in history, in recent history. He is a as complete of an offensive player that that the game has ever seen offensively. Like, there's literally nothing that he cannot do offensively at a high elite level from an offensive standpoint. Puts the ball on the floor, can shoot. Passing is all world. Post up, can do every nothing he can't do offensively. And he is the guy who low maintenance as far as, like, leadership. Low maintenance. Like, you don't you're – not, you're not worrying about Jokic's ego. You're not worrying about him doing some dumb shit off the floor. You're not worried. You're not, you don't even have to worry about none of that stuff when it comes to Jokic. They're durable. He's going to play every game. He, again, this guy, I mean, may, I might be selling him short with possibly being top 15 players of all time when it's said that. I, maybe he could be top 10. If Maybe. Well, we got to win more, you know, more than one championship. But, uh, Right now, he's the best player in the world. I don't think there's really any room for debate from that standpoint. Giannis coming in is at number two. Disappointing postseason. You lose in the first round of Miami in five games. Um, he held it down. Held it. You know, held it. Held that uh, title for the last couple of years. I still probably, if I had to pick, if I had to pick 
between the two to build my team around, I still probably would lean towards Giannis because of what he does defensively. Though Jokic's defense has improved improved a lot during the postseason. Uh, they're both the same age. Uh, they both have now amazingly have similar resumes. Uh, twenty eight years old, two two uh, MVPs and a Finals MVP and a championship. So. Boy, they had they had Giannis has more of course accolades as far as all NBA. He's been on more all NBA teams offensively and defensively. So he has that going for him. Uh Jokic doesn't care about the All-Star game. Uh, Giannis has an all-star MVP at that that Jokic doesn't care less about that. Uh so Giannis comes in at number two, a solid number two. I don't think there's any question. Uh nobody's close to him from that standpoint, but number uh taking that that number two spot from him. Number three, Steph Curry. Um Steph Curry, I think, is playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, physically, he's as strong as he's ever been. He is stronger than he's ever been. Um, there's more on him now than there's ever been before. You saw, and he still took the team to the second round. Took him as far as they as far as they were going to go. Um, he again, his impact on the game. He's still a guy that can impact the game without making a shot from the standpoint of how you have to set up your defense to defend him and the stuff that he sets up opens up for his teammates. It's still like, again, he's still one of the most impactful players by far in the league. And it's not like he just, just again, just his shooting. And now again, he's added, he's improved defensively. He's gotten stronger. You can't push him around anymore. He's improved his floor game, the assists, the the rebounds. Um, because we know he had the fifty point game, game seven. That was a classic Steph Curry performance. Uh, been been a great postseason player. Uh, I know he wasn't great against the Lakers, but again, that team went as far as it was going to go. That they Steve Kerr mentioned it. They maxed out. Um, this year. Um, but again, still one of the top five players on in the league. I have him number three. At number four, this could be a little surprising, but it shouldn't be that surprising. Jason Tatum. Uh, I think people forget that Tatum has lived in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's only 25 years old. He scores 51 in a game seven. That still matters. Um, two-way player. Defends, can defend multiple positions. Um, I think people take People pay too much attention to what he can't do versus what he actually does. I look again. I'm I'm not one of these people that I'm not one of these fans or one of these people that that respond to every Jason Tatum game, uh, even if he doesn't play with as well. I'm looking at the, looking at I look at the totality of this year and even with the playoffs, and Tatum to me. Right now, with skill, age, and what he's done, there's no there's no question to me that he's a top five player. This is like this is just like I don't know. It's not even a debate as far as I'm concerned. Coming at number five, this is gonna be a surprise. This is where people are gonna get on me. I don't care. It's my list. Jimmy Butler, and you will say, well, how could Jimmy Butler be top five after his performance in the finals? I will tell you, you are out of your mind. You, when you're the when you're the best player on the team, that no one, I mean, no one had sniffing 
the finals. And again, I'm taking the, to- the totality of the performance. He goes 27, 6-6 six and six in the playoffs. Numbers dropped in the finals. But think about who he went through. He goes through Giannis, Tatum, and Brown. No Tyler Hero, which puts more, put more of a burden on him. Plays both ends of the court. A uh, tremendous leader. A complete team guy. And again, looking at, looking at the totality of these last four years. Finals. He's been in three conference finals in the last four years. Uh, two NBA finals in the last in the last four years. And by far, and, and, and by the way, they were not supposed to win either one of these NBA finals, especially this year. And they weren't supposed to be the Lakers in 2020 led by LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. So it's not like he's getting to the finals and losing when the talent is even or when the, when it's a toss-up. No, they've been decisive underdogs in both finals and should have, frankly, lost both finals. Um, he's top, he's, to me, I don't see how you not put him in the top five considering the impact that he has on winning. And it's not like he's not making all-NBA teams. He was second-team all-NBA this year. And he's a guy, like I said, when the playoffs, when the lights are on, the brightest, he's going to be at his best. And to again, to take a number eight seed to the NBA Finals, we're going to be looking at, we're really not going to appreciate this until years down the road. I've seen great players, right, put up great numbers and can't drag their team, their teams past the first or second round. As great as Luka was last year, they got embarrassed by Dallas Golden State in the conference finals. As great as he was. I mean, 06 Kobe Bryant, 35 points, 81 point game, lost in seven games in the first round as a seven seed. So, you're, you, 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 if you're below a fourth seed or a fifth seed, you're talking that six, seven, eight range, you're not expected. You're not expected to make any type run to playoffs, please. Not expected to do anything in the playoffs. Maybe when, maybe went around, not even went around. So, again, I like I want a guy on my team that's going I know it's gonna be there performing at a high level in the postseason. No excuses, low maintenance. He's become low maintenance. He's not and by the way, those places that he's left, they've gotten worse. Every place he's left has gotten worse or has not advanced past when he left them. Like the Sixers have not gotten past the second round. Minnesota, eh, what have they gotten past the first round? No. Chicago, they've got Chicago's gotten worse. That should tell you something about where Jimmy Butler's at right now. But not putting Luca in the top five. Sorry, from a talent standpoint, without question, Luca is probably a top three talent, top two talent. But I'm sorry, they didn't make the playoffs this year. They didn't fucking make the play in. I, I really, I can't put him in the top five this year. He shouldn't have been first team All NBA to be honest with you. So yeah, Luca's not a top five player. Uh, can't uh, is not a top five player to end the season. Kevin Durant, not a top five player in the, to end the season. Didn't play, barely played during the regular season. And in the playoffs, they got put out, lost in the, uh, in the playoffs, they got by Phoenix, got by a Clipper team that had basically was down to playing guys that, you know, Norm, were Norm Powell and Russell Westbrook, like, and struggled to win that series. Like, they won it in five, but struggled to win that series. And, and you know, got, and again, they, Accord themselves well against Denver outside the last two games, and they're going to look back and say, hey, we gave Denver their toughest challenge, but they were never, Denver was never in, that, that series was never in, in any serious, je- um, Denver was never in any real jeopardy of losing that series. And he got, 
you know, got outplayed by Jokic by a mile. I'm sorry, Durant. As great as Durant still is, not the, I, not the, I would put Durant's probably a top seven, top eight player. He's not a top, he's not a top five player right now. He's not. Forget about that conversation as the best player in the world. He's not in that conversation right now. He's not. Right now, ending the season, I can't put Kevin Durant or Luka in my top five. Again, my list, list was, and you look at it, look at this list. This list was geared more towards postseason, uh, a balance of postseason and, and regular season, mostly leaning towards postseason this year. I couldn't drop Giannis past two. Like, come on. Like, I know, like, Giannis, we, like, I couldn't drop Giannis past two, especially when those other guys. Uh, Curry and Tatum didn't even get to the didn't get to the NBA Finals. And by bottom line is, I'm still taking into account who I would want moving forward as well. I still gotta be fair about that. Still taking that into account. And I I'm not dropping a injuries with standard. I can't drop a guy who's been number one the last two years really out the top three. Like no, Giannis is clearly better than Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. And he's better than Steph Curry. Like he's a better player than Steph Curry. Like right now, in this stages of their careers, and I love Steph Curry. So when you look at um, some things in regards to next season, uh, first of all, so this this is going to mark the fifth straight year that we've had a different champion, starting with the nineteen twenty nineteen uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, again, the first time since going back to 77 through 81 that we had a different champion a uh, different champion before the Lakers and Celtics started just winning all the all the championships in the 80s I think you're going to have a uh, next year I think we're going to have a different one next year like I I think that the league right now and people you know people toss around the word dynasty with Denver you know like eh, eh, slow down slow down here it's this league right now, there's more parity than there's ever been. They're, Denver's probably going to lose Bruce Brown. Um, they, again, the room there is very small. Uh, there are more talented players than there have, have ever been. Even the bad teams are are have, have excellent players. Um, so I don't see a repeat for Denver. I just think it's too hard at the, in, the, in this in this day and time in the NBA. I really do. I don't, I just think that we're in the, we're gonna have. I, I I can see us for the rest of the decade. It's twenty twenty three. I listen. I think Denver and Milwaukee, Denver or Milwaukee, will win another championship before the decade is over. I can see that. I just don't think. I don't think. I don't think that we're gonna be in a situation where that. I just don't think it's gonna be any back to backs. I don't. I don't. To be honest with you. Uh, so Denver's in great position. They have two, you know, the two best players on the contract for a while. They have some young, a nice young core talent mixed with some veteran players. What great organization, uh, you know, excellent coach. So they're in a position. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like we were having the same conversation about Milwaukee in 2021. Like look at all the things they had going for them. They haven't been back to the finals since. And this, this is Giannis coming off of 50-14 and five NBA finals. So, I think this is what the NBA is going to look like for the foreseeable future. I think dynasties are done. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't foresee any. You know, when Viana, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with the Spurs. How long it takes for them to um, to build around him, but I, I just don't see uh, any dynasties uh, 
moving forward in the in the league in the, in the come in the uh, in the coming future in the NBA. Couple things before I let you go. Um, but think about going through the offseason. Jalen Brown, Supermax eligible, of course, five years, 295. Question is, will they give him the full Supermax? Will he accept anything less than the full Supermax? What if he doesn't? What does that look like going into the season? Will he become will he be will he be someone who will uh let's say he doesn't get the full Supermax from Boston? Will he be content to either take less or to just become an outright free agent in 2024? So a lot of things go into play in terms of what can, uh, what may transpire. I think they probably will give him the full Supermax. And by the way, you can give him the full Supermax and still, you know, that doesn't lock him to, to be a, a Celtic for life. Um, he still could be a trade. It will can still, still be a trade asset. But, uh, yeah, that will be something that will be talked about um, during the offseason, will he accept the full super max? Considering some, you know, he's there are concerns that he doesn't want to be in Boston, not for the team's sake, but just you know, to the city and some of the things that you know that he's dealt with. That you know, just some some of the things that he said in that article, in that New York Times article, a couple of months ago. So I don't think there's a general consensus, a consensus that he's not in love with the city. And he didn't at the last press conference, he didn't go out of his way to say, I'm, you know, I want to be a Celtic for life. I'll put it to you that way. Portland is number three pick. Now, there are teams that are already looking, there are veteran teams that are already looking to uh get this number three, to move up to get this to get this number three pick. Um if you're Portland, I I don't think I can't I can't see Dame Lillard playing with whoever they draft number three. I think if you're Portland, you're either going to shop Dane Lillard, shop the number three pick, or maybe even go all out, rebuild and shop both of them. I could, feel, I could see that. But I don't see them getting enough assets back. Let's say they decide to keep Dane Lillard. I don't see them getting enough back for the number three pick to say all of a sudden, say now we have a contending team. Even, even with the Western Conference being somewhat in flux, there's still some good, there's still some excellent teams up top. And now, I, you know, the question is, which has more value? Dane Lillard, who's coming off an All-NBA caliber season, or that number three pick? Again, if you're going to move one of them, if you're going to move Dane Lillard, I think you might as well move that number three pick. Like, now, unless you think Scoot Henderson or or Miller are good or drop dead like locks for to be all stars and franchise player players, in that case, you can move Lillard, get a bunch of assets back, and build around uh, Scoot Henderson and, and move forward in terms of that. And what would the Milwaukee Bucks do? Milwaukee is going to have to reset their team. Giannis is obviously you still have some great Giannis years left. He uh, is extension eligible. We'll keep your eye, keep your eyes on that. They're going to have to do something. Uh, Milton will certainly exercise his his, uh, his contract for over forty million dollars. Um, they're going to have to move somebody. Like they, that team cannot come back the same. They just can't. Like they're built for the regular season right now, not as well constructed for the postseason. Uh, for the postseason. So those are the three things to look forward to in the offseason. You have the draft coming up next week, uh, next Thursday, and free agency, of course. 
Frazier list Frazier class is not dry. I mean, I know Harden, Kyrie Irving, I understand it, but it's 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 the pick outside the pickings are very slim in terms of free agency. Very slim. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Uh, I will see you next time. Um, have a great rest of your week. So long.